welcome to the World of You podcast. My name is Hayden Lund, an inspired traveler dedicated to self-discovery. Every episode, hear intriguing interviews, as well as different insights and perspectives on what makes you, you. Thanks for tuning in, and let's start unpacking the reality of you. Welcome back, everybody, to the second episode of A World of You. Today, I want to talk about making decisions, and I want to start by asking you, do you trust yourself? If you're given a choice, can you make a decision and really, truly trust it? If your answer is yes, then congratulations. Continue building on that confidence. But if your answer is no, you're not alone in feeling this way. Many of us actually struggle with trusting our decisions. We often overanalyze and stress about them. Even being aware of doing it, or why we do it, it doesn't seem to make a difference. So why don't we trust ourselves? Well, there are many reasons why we may not, but there's a common link to each one. Your mind. Studies have suggested that our daily awareness of self comes from the anterior cingulate cortex and the frontoinsular cortex. In normal people words, this is the seat of your ego, It's located at the front of your brain and it's heavily connected to sensory, decision-making, and automatic control. Now the ego is analytical. It's going to choose security and comfort over risk and chance at every opportunity. If there's something that you can't control, your ego naturally won't like it. The reason being is that you can't control the unknown, which is why making decisions that have to do with heading into the unknown are so scary. If it's something that you haven't experienced before, your mind doesn't know how it's going to end because it uses past experiences to help determine what it believes the outcome will be. And if you've had bad experiences, the mind remembers what happened, and it's usually a lot worse and more dramatic. But the fear of decision-making comes back to self-image, because the ego is afraid of judgment, and it tends to be very self-judgmental. So if your mind is why you can't trust yourself, how are you supposed to deal with that? Well, society has generously provided us with a few different approaches. Now let's start with arguably the easiest way to deal with being unsure in our decisions. Just forget about it. If you don't acknowledge it, then it isn't a problem. If past generations can choose to ignore things, we can do it too, because it totally worked for them, right? Well, realistically, this only causes issues. If you are ignoring the feelings that are associated with decision-making, and I'm not talking about fears, I'm talking about your feelings that arise about a situation, there is no way to be confident. Not only does burying the problem not help you trust your decision, but it can also take you down the path of suppressing your true feelings. If you're not honest with yourself about the choice that you have to make, that's not going to build trust in your decision-making ability. Well, what if you analyze the decisions? What if you draw out a mind map to figure out where each choice leads? Then you can see what will possibly happen from there, and then plan out those decisions. Well, that sounds like a foolproof plan, right? Well, the biggest obstacle you're facing here is that you're assuming what will happen. You can try to cover all of the possible outcomes. However, life doesn't give a rat's ass what your mind map says. It's going to do whatever it wants to do. The other issue with this option is that you begin to obsess over the decision. You'll play the choice over and over in your head, stressing yourself out in the process and causing panic if you fear that you haven't figured out all of the possible scenarios. 
And when it comes time to make that decision, you're going to end up scared afterwards because you're doubting yourself, hoping that you made the right decision. And on top of that, you may not always have all this time to make your decision either. Sometimes a decision is required in the moment. And if you can't trust yourself to make in the moment choices without your mind map laying it out, that's not going to help you trust yourself either. Well now surely you're not the only one in the world who's had to make the decision that you're faced with. So by that logic, someone else must have the answers. There are thousands of places around the world that you can visit. There's hundreds of millions of books that you can read and billions of people you can talk to. There are gurus around the world who say they have exactly what you're searching for. They have your answer to life. But it doesn't matter where you go or what you read or who you talk to. They don't have your answer. Doing all of these things are wonderful and they can give you wonderful insight. However, they are not a means to make your decisions. They say when life gives you lemons, you make lemonade. They don't say when life gives you lemons, you eat them raw. You can take into account the advice and the things that you learn from these opportunities, but you are a different person than everyone else. Your experience is going to be different, even if you try to follow someone else's life plan and try to do the exact same thing. Searching for answers never gives you the answer that you want, nor will it come when you want it to. So in the end, you still have to make your own choice. So now you're at the point where you wish you weren't the one who had to make the decision. Well now, hey, there's an idea. What if you get somebody else to make the decision for you? That way you don't have to choose. And if it doesn't work out, it isn't your fault. They made the choice and it was out of your hands. Well, well this is just a disaster waiting to happen. I don't know which is worse, this option or the first one. I guarantee you that asking somebody else to be responsible for you and your decision making is not going to lead you down the path of trusting yourself. I promise you. So now you could take bits and pieces of each of these options and try to come up with your own way that, that helps make you comfortable making choices. But what would happen if you didn't do what you've been told to do your entire life? To use your mind and analyze the situation to come up with a logical solution. What if you completely took that out of the equation? Where does that leave you? It leaves you in the guidance of your intuition. And simply put, your intuition is your soul's way of suggesting what to do. Instead of using your mind to try to figure everything out, you instead get a signal or a reaction that guides you, and it's instant. It doesn't need time to process everything because your soul is connected to everything around you. And this is the basis of string theory, interconnectedness. Your soul already knows, and your intuition is its form of communication. Chances are that you use this from time to time without even knowing it. But there are ways to help recognize when your intuition is speaking. Science says that our intuition comes from a place beyond our five physical senses. However, it does send signs through your physical senses. How you acknowledge it may be different than me, or your brother, or sister, your mom, your friend. Maybe you perceive it as a quiet voice, just waiting to be acknowledged, or as one that is shouting at you. Maybe it's a feeling in your belly, a chill you get running down your spine, or a sensation somewhere else in the body. I've heard of people where they taste or they smell something. Maybe your ears pop, or you see a certain color, or reality shimmers. For some, parts of their bodies will itch. It's different for everyone, and it may not be limited to just one sign either. Maybe different situations result in different responses. For me personally, 
If the understanding is in the back of my head, I know that's my intuition, because I find when my ego is speaking, when I'm sitting in my mind, my attention is coming from the front of my brain, right close to the forehead, hence seat of the ego. But if I'm ignoring that sign, my intuition sometimes finds more drastic ways of getting my attention. While traveling, I usually take the bus from place to place in order to get around the country. And one day, I was riding on a bus taking me to the next little town I was en route to. I always pick a window seat if I can, because then you get to see everything I drive past. And I enter my own little world where I take it all in, and then I daydream about creating a self-sustaining village somewhere in the scenery that we're passing by. Usually in like remote areas or places that would be really cool or have a really cool landscape for it. And by the time I come out of that vision, I do it again, at the next place that I think would be super cool, super interesting to live in. And in between one of these visions, this older lady gets on and sits down beside me. And I didn't say anything because, like I said, being on the bus is just a fun creative space where I get to daydream. But I couldn't shake the feeling of talking to this lady. And at first I tried to ignore it. I just kept telling myself that there was so much to see out the window, yet this nagging wouldn't go away. It was bugging me until at one point it felt, until at one point it felt as if my chest was restricted. It was kind of like having a wetsuit on. And it was pulling at me, and it wouldn't go away, and I knew it wasn't going to go away unless I said something, or until one of us got off the bus. So I spoke up and I said, where are you headed? The most basic question I could think of. And she says, I'm on my way to visit my son. And as it turned out, her son was a tour guide for a place called Milford Sound, which is this massive lake that winds between mountains and cliffsides. It's basically something out of a fairy tale. So we're chatting away. And I'd already planned on going there when she says, oh, my son and his wife just love to have travelers stay with them. And this grabbed my attention like a kick in the rear. And clearly she knew she'd piqued my interest because she followed that by saying, yeah, he tells me sometimes about how he's able to get them in for free. And now my mind's racing. And it's thinking, this is why I was supposed to talk to this lady. Now I get it. I'm finding a new contact and I'm going to get into Milford Sound for free. And I was also thinking, holy crap, I almost passed up on this opportunity because I wanted to stick in my own little world. Well, no, I didn't actually get in for free. I didn't even end up staying with them. Mother Nature decided to go on a little mini rampage right as I was making my way there. And it wiped out the only road to Milford Sound, which was fantastic. But the point is that I didn't listen to what my intuition was telling me. So the signs just kept growing and growing to the point where there was no ignoring it. It's not there to distract you or lead you down some awful path. It's speaking to you for your benefit. Every time you're faced with a decision, take a moment to check in with yourself. Listen to your intuition. What does it say? How does it speak to you? You don't need to know why or what the purpose is. All you need to do is trust it. Trust yourself because your soul knows where you're going and your intuition is how it speaks to you. But whether you listen is up to you. Today, we welcome Bernie Morin. Bernie is a shaman who spends his life immersed in a world of being connected to yourself, with the importance of listening to what his intuition is telling him. Bernie, welcome to the show. How are you doing today? I'm good, sir. Good to hear. Good to hear. Um, so today, the topic that I've been talking about is our intuition and how um, to let ourselves 
really let that guide us instead of trying to overthink things and trying to plan out everything and just letting life happen. Um, humans today seem to override their first instinct with with thought, which ends up making it so much more difficult than it has to be. From your perspective, why do we do that? I think our world is designed that way. I mean, I mean, ironically, we're on social media, but social media is designed to absorb your attention and then addict you in certain areas. Um, I'm, that's not a secret. I'm not stating conspiracy theory. That is what they're planning to do. Oh, for sure. Right. And we're taught ration is superior to instinct from a very young age at school. Uh, people are born with high instinct. Children have high instinct. Children can tell you about past lives they led. But then along comes ration and we're not allowed to consider that. That's not a part of rational thinking or scientific thinking. For some reason, instinct has been given a back seat there. Um, and yet your best uh, people who play the stock market are not doing it with ration, they're doing it by instinct. And healers work by instinct. So they, they may listen to the rational part of everything that's gone on, but we're also listening to a different level of information that's going on that is maybe not being said. So instinct is your actually your biggest protector and your biggest teacher. So your instinct for me and in my experience has, it exists in your body. And so does your intelligence exist in your body, not just your brain. Your brain is kind of a computer and it, tends to spill out messages as it's been programmed to do. So I'll tell you the first instance, this became really obvious to me. I was driving some people to a meeting and in Toronto and we were driving along a busy street and I'm driving and I notice what looks to be a large piece of construction paper uh, in blue and gray sort of rose up and is tumbling over a car towards us in my lane. Now I'm back a few cars. And I realized that my foot is on the brake. And I'm already looking for a safe place to pull over. And then my brain figures out what's going on. So my brain was the last part to figure it out. And a woman in the car said, Oh, my God, that's a child that's been hit by a car. Even more significantly is I was watching it in slow motion. My brain didn't say, you know, Oh, look, there's something terrible happening. Get a good look at it. It was already in gear. It was, I mean, my, my whole instinct was already saying, slow this down, this is important. Um, and my foot was already on the brake, I was already looking for a place to pull over. And I still hadn't figured out what was going on. So that really led me to a different understanding of, you know, we have fight or flight, but that's innate. Um, but what else comes up that we ignore? 
So if you know the issue of gut feeling, you know, I have a gut feeling about this. I listen to that. That's really high. That's high wisdom. And for instance, the whole issue is if you're standing in a large crowd and and somebody enters the room behind you that you're not aware of, but the hackles on your neck start to go up, you get this funny tingly feeling in the back of your neck because that person is either very angry or dangerous. Um, it, your body already reacts to it. So we have within us an innate wisdom and the only way we can get there is to shut our brain down, is to just stop all the noise. So meditation is a very effective way of doing it. I don't do it, but I know it is. Uh, very effective way of stilling the brain so that when your instinct speaks, you know what's right for you. So in my case, somebody would say, what do you think about doing this radio program? And I check my stomach and my stomach will immediately do like this, very subtly. And then I counter it by saying, um, how do I feel about not doing it? And I get a smile. And I thought, okay, that's that answer. That's really clear for me. My second way of double checking my instinct is I use muscle testing with my fingers, which anyone can do. So if, you, if you're not familiar, uh, if I ask a question and, and the answer is yes, I can't pull my right hand through my left. It's, it's in a knot, right? But if I say something is my name, Harry Styles, it'll, it, it lets go. Just to expand on what Bernie's talking about here, he interlocks his index fingers with his thumbs and he makes a link with them, like a chain link. And when his answer is no, he's able to pull them through and break the link apart. But if the answer is yes, the muscles hold strong and aren't able to pull apart. This is his way of recognizing his intuition. Okay, that's really interesting. And it takes a bit of practice because your brain will want to undo it. Your brain say, oh, no, that's my job. I can do that. It's just like, you know, I, I use, when my brain starts interfering, I initially used very rude words because that was the only thing it really understood well. <laughs> um, so, uh, <laughs> I mean, and I teach that to people is like, here's what you need to say, you know, is shut the F up because that's just a tape loop that has been installed. It's like your brain isn't in charge, your instinct's in charge. And that, that instinct and that wisdom is in your entire body. Right, absolutely. So you mentioned that, you know, sometimes the brain tries to interfere. And I've found personally that um, my signs that are of my intuition that tell me this and that the brain will try to replicate that or imitate that because it wants to stay in control. Um, you mentioned that just telling your brain to shut up and, and, and deal with it is, is one way. Are there other techniques that you teach for people to help recognize where the brain is trying to take control from your first instinct? Um, Mostly it's, it's the equivalent of uh, meditation, but it's stilling the brain. And for some people that is really hard. It's what we call monkey mind. They can't shut it up. Um, in the level of Reiki, which I was taught in the original system, 
there is a physical way of bringing people to a quiet still point. Um, in shamanic practice, I can bring that up in people. And when we get to that point, colors are deeper and richer and black is blacker and they actually feel taller. There's a physical difference in their being. But usually that has to be experienced once before your body understands that it's being listened to. This is true. So I can't say here's three steps and how to do it, Hayden, because it's something that comes with practice. And there's learning in everything. If you do something and if your ego is going to thrive on it, or if you think, wow, I'm going to, I'm going to appear really powerful, or so-and-so is going to be very impressed, then it will override your instinct. Right. And the learning in that is, hey, wait a minute, my brain just rushed in there and said, hey, this is a really good idea. And I need to pay attention the next time that happens. Right. And like you said, people spend so much time trying to control everything. We spend so much time trying to plan our lives and control every aspect instead of just letting things happen. You think this is due to a lack of trust with our intuition or just rather an unfamiliarity of it? I, I think it's that, uh, yeah, we're unfamiliar with intuition. We don't give it the same uh, level of respect or dominance that we do brain thinking. Um, and for some reason, we honor control as a desirable outcome. Now, there's control. Um, and there's also just mindfulness. They're quite different things. I mean, it's easier to go uh, into the river in the direction in which it's flowing and not to flow against the stream. Um, control would say, hey, you can do this, you can get in there, you can do this. And the other part of you is saying, you know, but it's already going in that direction. Let's see where it's going. You know, your instinct is saying, follow this, and your brain w would then say, okay, let's explore that. How would that be? It becomes working together and not against. Well, thank you very much for joining me, and I really appreciate uh, you being a guest on the show. My pleasure completely, Hayden. Welcome to the community section of the podcast. So every Thursday after a new podcast has been released, a question will be posed in the A World of You podcast community Facebook group where you will have a chance to share your answers and you will have a chance to be featured in this community section. So today's question is, how do you recognize your intuition? Okay, well, I guess I'll start off by introducing myself. So uh, I'm Simon and in terms of recognizing it, I mean, a lot of times I don't, if I'm honest. <laughs> um, sometimes I think I do, but best way I can simply state it is the way I recognize it is to just be, you know, just be yourself more than anything and to never like, don't try to be anything you're not and just stick to what, stick to your guns. Hi, my name is Marnie Massey. Um, let's see my intuition. Wow. Well, it's funny when I was younger, um, it used to be more in the gut and it still is like maybe when it's like fight or flight stuff I still feel it in my gut and I recognize it as my intuition 
But now as I've gotten older and matured, and then especially becoming a mom to two awesome kids, um, it feels like it's moved up into my chest, into my heart a little more. And yeah, like it's recognizing what you feel and what you think, but actually listening to it more and letting letting the intuition speak to you, coming from the heart more than the head, if that makes sense. I kind of relate to and perceive my intuition. It feels like it's more in my heart. Now, of course, if it's like um, a dangerous situation and we've all been in those, you know, my gut is going to save me first. But if it's something where um, somebody else maybe is hurting or needs something, I kind of go from my heart a little more or even when I need um, something, I try and just listen to my heart and listen to myself, right? Because it kind of whispers to me more now. But sometimes it's loud if I need it. But yeah, that's how I um, relate to my intuition. Um, my name is Paige and um, I recognize my intuition um, by feeling mostly. Um, I mostly get a pit in my stomach. I call it my energy pit. <laughs> and it's just a little uh, hop and a guy that hops around in my little pit in my stomach, basically shouting um, basically the answers that I need. That's mainly the way that I notice my intuition. Hi, my name is Sylvia. And the way that I receive my intuition is through my body. And usually it's a gut reaction. It's like um, an impulse. Yeah, I guess that's the best word, impulse in my gut. And, and I just have this knowing and there's no arguing that knowing. It doesn't matter what anybody else tells me, but it, there's just this strong, solid knowing of that's what it is. And it's usually something that makes me feel good. It feels like that is what's right for me. And that vibration, the impulse or the signal just resonates with with the rest of me, with the rest of my body. Okay, hi, uh, my name's Cindy, I'm 57. And how do I personally recognize my intuition? Well, it's actually very easy. Um, through the years, I actually hear frequencies, which is very strange. So when I am in a class, for example, teaching or uh, leading tours, I can actually uh, hear different frequencies and know exactly what that's about. And I've actually tested this through the years by asking people in private, may I ask you a personal question? Are you on any kind of antidepressants? And I will hear a frequency and I know 100% they're on antidepressants. So this has served me well through my life. I have a very honed intuition, but the one thing in my intuition is I hear sounds and, and I can only say that they're like frequencies. They're like little high pitches and I can separate those pitches into certain things that I know and um, it saved my life in, in several occasions as well. So there you go. Okay, I'm, I'm Denise and I think it takes a little while to um, come up to speed with your intuition. It's that old saying where someone might say, oh, I just knew I should have done that. That was their intuition speaking. And um, for me, it has kind of a few voices. It can be really, really quiet where I might have been driving down the highway and I've been told to, oh, 
turn off here, right? And I, I'm turning off, and I'm not really thinking about why I'm turning off, except that I think, oh, this is a cool thing to do. I should be turning off. And I know for sure that one time in particular, I'd heard of a terrible accident further down the road, and I just knew inside that that saved me from being anywhere near that. And then other times it can be really, really loud. Like it kind of pokes you and prods you until you actually do something. And it's a feeling inside the body. It's, it's not just a thought. It's not like we're thinking. It's something that comes in like a flash and it can be sharp or it can be soft. So it has a few voices for me. Hey, I'm Dante. Um, how I perceive my intuition I feel as I grew um, and developed as a person through, you know, through the years in high school and got a sense of more of my identity, um, then since because of that, I, I feel that my intuition was able to come forth more easily. And I think my intuition comes in many different forms. I think it comes in many different forms for everybody. It depends on where you are emotionally, what you're doing, whether if I'm, I have my intuition when it comes for have in relationships of under when talking to somebody uh, about their problems i feel i can use my intuition to kind of scout out what's going on with my feeling or just working on myself personally if i'm feeling anxiety or anything i'm able to sit down and feel my intuition and kind of figure out hey dante you know what's going on today you know let's figure that out and i think that's really the basis of that you know um but i think that's how i perceive it personally you know, it always, I, I use my intuition in different ways every day. I want to thank everybody who participated in the community segment today. These are everyday people, and it's important to note that because these are people that you may pass on the street or wait behind in line at a coffee shop or just interact with every day and you may not even know it. You don't have to be special or famous or a person of interest in order to have a strong message. We all have a voice. So let me hear yours. And that concludes today's podcast. Thanks for listening. Have something to say? Head over to aworldofview.com to find out how to share your message with the community and for a chance to be featured as the weekly blog. Find your voice and let's build this together.